might take a moment, if, if I might impose, if you normally uh, are up here leading us this morning, would you stand up for a minute? Come on, Burns is here. I know Burns is here. Corey Adolph's here. Come on, brother. There you go. Rick's in the back. Who else? Is that it? We got that. Thank you, Mary Alice. Stand up. I mean, week in and week out, and I don't want to embarrass y'all. I just want to say thanks. And, and you can have a seat. And part, part of what, what this structure is, is is to take a break, too, to know that uh, God can work in spite of us. <laughs> Pastors learn that lesson <laughs> all the time. You know, nothing worse than when you show up somewhere to be super pastor and, and of course, you, that job is taken. <laughs> uh, and, and we show up and, and we're just blessed. And so all those folks, you know, I'm reminded the other night at the football game, um, by the way, Albert was supposed to remind me, right, that we do have a tailgating party this Friday. So if I, I said that earlier, I was wrong. Uh, I think it's this Friday, then we're off week, and then we have our final one. Yes, I'm getting a lot of nods now. Um, so come out this Friday and join us for the uh, tailgating party. It'd be a great time. Um, but I was reminded at the halftime show, you know, this elaborate halftime show, homecoming weekend, and this band takes the field. I'm a band geek, right? And the band takes the field and all these things, and they're just, gl the, you know, they're glinting off the lights and their brass section is beautiful. And everyone, the, the clarinets, you know, they're all so, and everyone's just, and they start doing this thing, weird thing where they walk sideways and they pass, you know, and that's crazy because now I'm looking where they're going. You know, there's like a, Maybe it's kind of like watching ice, ice skating sometimes. The, you just, no, it's terrible, right? But I'm going, you're going to hit somebody, you know. And we know that does happen. Um, people fall down. <clears throat> but um, she's in the back. She's not paying attention. That's the way it goes. Um, so anyway, but you know, but you know what I was amazed by was they're, they're bringing the stuff in the front. And, and every once in a while I heard this real clear, what was that? And it would go again, what was that? And um, it was a triangle. So I guess I was a band geek. And I remember the kid that we made play the triangle, you know? And yet, sitting in the stands, the stands were packed out homecoming weekend, you know, all these artists on the field doing their routine and stuff, and here's this guy, and he's watching. Ting! And I want to tell you something. I heard every note he played. And so I want to say to you, you might feel like, I, I can't get up there and lead that, or I can't do this or that. But you know, we need some triangle players too. There's something about that clarity of that note, knowing that place, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And he was part of the whole group. And I'm just saying, I'm not sure how this triangle player is treated. Now, if he's here today, I apologize. I mean, I, I, I know we didn't treat ours very well. We kind of scorned the triangle kid, you know? I was a percussionist, and uh, you take the triangle. I'm not playing triangle. But I just want to say to you today that um, if you're here and you're saying, man, there's, there's not, a, what am I going to do? do? You know, do something. Do, find, your, try, find your instrument. Maybe get in the whole band. I want to say to you, Brett McManus, in the back, stand up a minute, Brett. Amanda's back there running slides. Stand up a minute. These folks, week in a week out, take care of this. And then who else? Sam's, is Sam here today? Sam, Sam's here. Yeah, he's not going to stand up. He's trying to be shy. There you are. Come on, brother. Well, they all run slides and stuff for us. There you go. Thank you, brother. And, and uh, I said something about Brett hooking us up out there. You know, we had that audio set up a few weeks, and it was good, but it was great Friday. <laughs> there's a difference. And so I just want to say, you know, fine. There's something, right? The coffee and stuff, right? We do that. The, the sun, yes, there we go. Coffee and donuts and the Sunday school. All those kids run off to somewhere, and there's somebody back there with them. You know, I'm saying? Uh, they're not just, it's not like, you know, uh, Lord of the Flies, they're all back there with the conch shell and, uh, so, oh, thanks, Matt. So, so, uh, 
So, you know, I just want to say that. I just want to say I was just so reminded this morning an absence sometimes makes us realize things and, and uh, it made me realize how, how we don't say thanks enough and we don't encourage you maybe to step up and do something yourself, you know, do something. Load in, load out. There's all kinds of things that happen. All these chairs get set up every week. Anyway, um, I want to say we're starting something this week and I'm really excited about it. Um, we've been talking about it for a while. I made a mistake last week. I was off for the week and I was in vacation mode and I panicked at the end of the service. My husband said, this is the last day you have to sign up. And I'm here to confess, I was wrong. <laughs> but this is the last day you have to sign up, okay? Because this, is, this week we start family groups. And um, family groups is what we're going to do here. We're going to run a semester system. I want to take a moment to explain this, what we're going to do and why we're trying to do this. We believe that God is speaking. And we believe that God speaks most profoundly through those small places of our lives. You know, we can come together here and talk about big ideas and big visions and the word and, and, and what we're doing in the community. But there's something about that, that um, the daily grind is where transformation really happens in our lives. And, and I, I've said before, as a, as a husband of a wife, in that most intimate relationship, man, our biggest sins are revealed, you know? And if anyone, you got to be listening to it, your spouse, and it's the hardest thing in the world, you know, because, but, but yet, and, and we have the same thing kind of in family groups. And, but what we're trying to do is just kind of give you a chance to get plugged in somewhere else and, and kind of hang out and journey with us. What we're doing to be explicit this time is we're actually to have this book. And if you're in a family group, raise your hand. Are you in a family group this morning? That's awesome. We need, and those of you who aren't, this is the last week, I kid you not. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to kind of... Um, Set the groups, and then we're going to roll 11 weeks together. 11 weeks, I'm going to be teaching on Sunday mornings out of this book, but the curriculum is off of this book. So I'm going to use the text that this book follows. We picked this curriculum out, Matt and I did together, because um, we liked, and we showed it to other leaders as well, but we liked that uh, it has a little bit of something for everybody. You know, if you haven't got your book yet, get your book today on the back table. And uh, we want everyone in the group, every adult in the group, to have one of these books, okay? So your wife can't take notes for you. You've got to have your own. And, uh, and, and you can look through there. But it's got everything from daily readings. It's got some icebreaker stuff for groups if you want to do that. Um, it's got some time, some, you know, some questions that can spur. But group leaders have already heard from us to say, you can do as much or as little as you want with this. Like, you're not, you know, you're not in, have to follow this. Oh, we're not, we didn't get it done this week. No, nah, that's not the way it's going to go. But it's something to structure our journey together. And because, again, we believe that God speaks at all times and all places to his people. And you're his people. And God is speaking. So that's what we want to do is take that journey together. And uh, I'm sure there's stuff I'm forgetting to say about this. But I really wanted to say that this is the week is the last week. We don't, the, the website is gone. You can't sample the website anymore. Um, what else are we doing? The contact cards, if you look at your contact card, it's not on there anymore. It's gone. The table, this is the last week. So if you haven't signed up yet, now some people say, oh, I'm torn, I don't have scheduling issues or whatever, just I'd encourage you to sign up and, and, and go. I don't even want to say try it out. We're going to really try to commit to the 11 weeks together. But, but man, if you go two or three weeks, I can't help but believe that God will bless, bless that. So uh, the group's from the back. You're going to get your book today, and we're going to journey it together. It's such a great curriculum, too, because it's starting with the book of Acts. And that's where we're going to start today is the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, something happens. The, the book of, of Acts is actually called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, right? And then I've heard it called the Acts of the Apostles, right? The first sent ones. Um, I saw last night it was called the Acts of the Holy Spirit by the Apostles. But it's this idea that something new was happening with this, this thing called church. And that's what we're, we're journeying together on here. So much stuff can seem to go wrong with it. It's got so many pitfalls, you know? But yet, Jesus chose it for the way that he's revealed to the world. 
And, and uh, this is something that he instituted. And so, uh, so we're going to start today in the book of Acts. But there's something that, that happens that's all new. And I don't know if you ever, if you ever remember maybe getting, uh, oh, you know, the first time you were given any key to anything. Do you remember that feeling at all? I remember whenever I was in grade school and, and I, was, I, I got my, my key that my mom put on a shoestring and put around my neck so I could get in the house because we lived in the cr- crime rampant town of 50 or whatever it was, you know, like there's no way, but we locked our house because, you know, single mom and, and I had that thing, I had to keep it in my shirt so nobody could get it. But, you know, there was something about coming home and being able to unlock that house myself. I know our kids are always like, no, go ahead, seriously. They're at the age, you know, Nathan, go ahead, we're okay, you know. It's your dominion, right? Maybe something more profound is not maybe that moment because you're kind of young and, you know, maybe you're even afraid to be home by yourself or whatever. But remember the first, the first time you were given the keys to the car? You know, even if it was to move it in a driveway or something, you know, or, or uh, maybe it was the first time you were given the keys to your car. And that first journey you took, you know, parents disappearing in the background, in the mirror, you know. And then you get around the corner and you realize, it's, they really aren't going to follow me this time. And then you got to go to the first stop sign and see if the tires will break loose when you turn the corner. <laughs> and you find out that they can still hear that when they're two blocks away. Yeah. Uh, getting the keys of stuff all through our lives. Maybe your job, you got the promotion and now you got a key to the office. Lance was sharing that this morning with me. You know, he, he was over here hoping he was called into the mission field, called to go to seminary and go to mission, in the mission field. And he said he showed up today, he had been there for a while. And everybody kept saying, well, don't you have a key to that, Lance? And he's like, no. Don't you have a key to that? No. He's lost all his keys. <laughs> you don't have keys to anything anymore. Isn't that funny? Something about the authority that you're given when you're given a key. And uh, that's very much what I see happening here at the beginning of the book of Acts. Uh, is there something about this? Jesus is serious about this thing called church. Serious enough that he hands over the keys. It's a little crazy, I have to warn you. But as we begin to, to read the word together, let's uh, take a moment, and as we always do, and let's pray uh, together for wisdom. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the revelation already, Lord, that we might just uh, have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of the gospel message that, that you are calling us into. Today, that by the power uh, of your Holy Spirit, Lord, wow, we might dwell richly, and uh, we might live richly. We might live true life, the abundant life. And today, Lord, uh, we give you this time. If, if maybe we can't give you anything else this week, Lord, we're going to give you this next time here just to listen and talk and share and, and pray and, and be broken and be healed. And uh, we thank you for everything. Do your will among us today. Stir your spirit among us today. Be glorified today. That's what, we, that's what we find our heart's cry is. Glorify yourself, Father. And we will give you praise and glory forever in the name of the one who came, Jesus. Amen. We're going to start with the book of Acts, chapter 1, right at the get-go. And uh, I'm going to read through this. And we're going to kind of pop back through and talk about it. By the way, something else. I'm going to leave this up here because something else I want to say is we decided on purpose to have the family groups cover the material after I talk about it on Sunday morning. Now, we talked about doing it either way. You know, do you have the groups talk about it first, get the conversation started, then come up? But it felt too much like what I feel is, is sinful, which is for me to come in with a trump card and say, but this is what it really says. You might think you heard what God said to you, but this is what it really says. I would never presume to be in that role. I'm a co-listener to God. 
you see. I'm listening with you. And I'm most excited about maybe just kind of breaking the ice on the stuff. And then you guys dig into it, you know, in your family groups. Talk about what it means, you know, and then just learn because we're going to be hanging out, fellowshipping together, eating and drinking. That's what they said they did, you know, the early apostles. And, and learn something from the journey together. So that's kind of why we're doing it that way is so that we can talk about it. We'll break the ice together on a Sunday morning. And then, and then throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening when we're meeting, we can actually start to dig a little bit and say, what's that really mean, though? And, you know, I said something to somebody, and they said, oh, kind of looking cross-eyed, you know. I hope some of you are like, uh, boy, Bill was wrong about that, <laughs> you know. That, whoop, and then come back, because I'm okay with that, because I, well, I love to learn. You tell me something, I, you know. I'm inviting, I'm kicking the hornet's nest, right? But come up and say, no, that, I, what does that mean? Because engagement, brothers and sisters, is what sharpens the tool. So here we go, the first chapter of the book of Acts. We're going to read this for, through verse 12 together, and then we'll spend some time talking about it. Luke writes, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. So this is the way it really happens. And I hope you've already sensed that idea that Jesus was serious. He came back from the dead. And, and so much of the, the apostles you know, would expect, maybe you would expect, maybe you know, he was crucified and he died. And he was raised again. He showed up and he already told Thomas, put your hands here and stuff. And then he says, then he really, he's serious about this thing called church. He's so serious that he doesn't stick around. He's taken to the heavens. The things I want to focus on today is this, what Jesus actually says here, what Luke says Jesus says. But before we can, we always, I always want to ask the context question. You know, this is something that we do all the time. At the context of the book. And the first question I had was, who was it written to? Now you can see here, this is very clear in the book of Acts. Who's it written to? Theophilus, Right? So you got a name right there, Theophilus, cool, it's his book, it's not my book, so I don't have to worry about it, right? And, and then you start looking to what the Theophilus, the Theophilus should look familiar already. If you look at the name there, has anybody seen anything in it? Theophilus, Theo, Theo, right? Theophilus, what is that? Theos is God, right? And then Philos is a friend, brother, kindred, right? And so Theophilus is this friend of God, that's who the book is written to, the book of Acts. And then he says, he starts off saying, in my former book, Theophilus, right? So he's written something else of Theophilus. Does anyone know what it was? 
Luke, that's right, Luke. I'm going to flip back right quick. I'm going to read the opening introduction to Luke as well. Luke chapter 1 says this, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, this is Luke writing, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seems good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So ha, not only is the book of Acts written to Theophilus, but the the gospel of Luke, the good news that Luke recorded in his text was written to Theophilus as well. Now, like I said, we can take that and say, well, this is written to Theophilus. Why are we even reading it? But see, there's something else. Because it's written to us. Friend of God. We sit at the communion table with Jesus. And what does he say to us? I no longer call you slaves, but friends. There's something in this relationship that we have with Jesus that he, he brings us to a different spot. He brings us to a different place with his Father. And we're now considered kindred, friends, one of my favorite things about the, the actual, the, the idea of Theophilus is um, it actually means God's friend, God's best man. You know, if you look into the words a little bit, it, there's actually buried in there this idea that uh, it's the one who is sent for the bride before the wedding day. It's the one who is sent to ask the bride's hand in marriage. You know, these days, I did a wedding recently. These days, the, the best man usually has to stand there, not pass out, you know, not say something rude and remember to bring the rings. That's the whole job. But in this text here, Theophilus is this guy who, who, who is uh, a friend of God in the way that he's extending the wedding invitation. He's extending the marriage invitation. Now you see this is all kind of t- ties in here because why? What's the church? It's the bride of Christ. So now all of a sudden you have Luke writing this book to this guy who is some, some part of his job is to welcome other people in as the bride. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. The best man, God's best man. And maybe you would say most excellent Theophilus, like he did in Luke, you know. Most excellent Theophilus is something about his stature, his role. But that's the problem sometimes. You think, oh, it's just me. But it's not just you. It's who you are in Christ Jesus to God. So valuable now because of his son's blood for you. It says we're invited to the wedding feast because of that, as the bride of Christ. And then the second thing I always wonder is, is why, was the book, why was the book written? And I think we can pull this out as well from the, uh, the Luke. I hope you have your finger there. If not, it doesn't matter. You don't have to read with me. But he writes when he says, therefore, since I myself have carefully, Luke says, I carefully investigated everything from the beginning, right? So Luke is this guy. He's going back to get a historical account of what's going on. A lot of the other writers were kind of just writing what they remembered or what they experienced or, or things like that. Luke goes back to be disciplined. Now, I'll let you know a little secret about the book of Acts. Towards the end, middle to the end of the book of Acts, Luke changes the language from they, they, they to we, 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 you see. And that's kind of a big deal. Because what that what tells you is at some point in the story of the book of Acts, Luke becomes involved in the story. And then he starts to go back and say, hey, tell me about that one thing. Hey, guys, come here. Tell me, what was that thing that happened down there? Let me get the story straight now. Let me tell this back to you and see if this makes sense. And he starts to construct in an orderly fashion the story of a Messiah, of the one who was born king. And this is the story of the book of Luke 
and the book of Acts. It says, Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent so that you might know with certainty the things that you've been taught. So there's no shakiness in your faith anymore. You can hear the story in some way that's coherent, that makes sense. You get this sense in this early church that the story is kind of chaotic. And I don't know if you feel that way sometimes about our lives, but it feels kind of chaotic, doesn't it? You go, God, what were you doing there? Well, that was weird. What's going on? And we feel like maybe we're getting pushed around a little bit, but yet there's some grand story being told in our lives. This is all the context that we hear the book of Acts from. And, and that's and this, what's, what's written to give us that orderly account, orderly account. Now I want to focus on the words that Luke attributes to Jesus. Now what's interesting is Luke kind of seems to be summarizing the end of his gospel. Because if you read the end of the gospel, Jesus ascended in the end of in the gospel of Luke. But he's kind of reminding him. You ever see those, uh, those shows on TV where at, at the end, if you watch them faithfully, they're the most frustrating thing ever. You know, with the web now, you watch TV shows on the web, you can watch like four or five shows in a row, and it's so frustrating because they spend the first three minutes talking about what happened last time. <laughs> You're know, like, I don't need to know what happened last time because I, I just watched it. But for folks who haven't heard in a while, Luke says, just remember where we're at, Theophilus. And he starts to tell them about all the things in the pr previous book that he had written to him about and about the kind of a summing up of the most important things that were said and happened. And he gets this place where uh, it's attributed, the words attributed to Jesus, just like they were in his original text, he says, he was, for 40 days he was among them. A period of 40 days he had appeared to them and spoke about the kingdom of God, right? So Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, about the dominion of God, it's about the authority of God. Don't think of it about a castle, some place in the sky that we're going to fly up to. He's talking about the right God has to rule in your life. And I hope that if you're uncomfortable with that, praise God, because it's the most awkward thing, especially for North Americans to think anyone has the right to tell us to do anything, but God does. God does. And that's what he's saying here. I'm, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, the authority of God, the domain of God. It's as if you're living on his land, in his property, and he has absolute right to tell you what you should be doing. And he's teaching about this authority that God has. And he's for 40 days. And then it says here in chapter, uh, chapter 1 of Acts, verse 4, on one occasion, and this will be obviously because of the story we ha have, it's right at the end of the 40 days, right? The way Luke tells it here. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, right? Which you have heard me speak about. Because John baptized with water. When we talked about baptized, that's the same word there, baptizo, you know, dipped. John was dipping people in water all the time, and we're pretty good at that as well. But he says, you will be baptized, the same word here, folks, with the Holy Spirit. And so when they met together, they asked him. So they're starting to catch the vision a little bit. And Jesus is here in the flesh. He's hanging out right there with us. And he's saying, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, yeah, good. Okay. And they're right there. And they say, so Lord, uh, are you at this time going to re restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, what's interesting is that they, they very much see this as a worldly kingdom, you know? Like the triumphal entry. Do you all remember the triumphal entry? Where he rides in and everyone's like, yeah! And then he gets nailed to a cross and everybody goes, oh gosh, no, that's, that's not the guy I was talking about. I thought he was somebody else. And then here they are again. The first time he says something about the authority of God in their lives, they're like, oh, so you're going to do it now, right? So now we're going to rule the world, you know? We're going to finally get the guy in charge that we want now, right? And Jesus says this, it's not for you to know 
the times or date that has set by his own authority. There it is again. That God has a plan. And this can be one of the most frustrating things because God has a plan. And then Jesus says, it's not for you to know, disciples, the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. But then he makes this promise. He reminds us. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. The, the, the word, the promise here of the Holy Spirit, so profound. Jesus makes it with his own lips. There's a time coming when the authority will be given. What? There's a time coming when you'll be given the keys. What? That's crazy. You know? The time's coming, Jesus says. Dunamis is the word for power here. You know, sometimes, and I gotta be honest with you, I start tiptoeing around this stuff about the Holy Spirit and power because I'm sure some of my brothers and sisters would say, oh, you're just afraid of the truth. And my others would say, oh, don't go crazy now, <laughs> you know. But there's something that Jesus is promising in the power of the Holy Spirit that we have some ability that we didn't have before. The Apostle Paul spends books writing about this ability, the right to choose right from wrong. The, but Paul and, and Peter and these guys, they do some crazy things in the book of Acts, which is why you should be in family groups because you're going to miss it because we're going to go through all the stories and it's, it's going to shake up your world because there was some new ability that the apostles had as they were sent out in the name of Jesus. You will be witnesses, witnesses to me in all the earth. So not only are you going to have this power from the Holy Spirit, but you'll be my witness in all the earth, you know? And, and, and witness is one of those words that if you've been in church a while, uh, you probably have a negative, uh, you know? And witness is probably one of those words that if you haven't been in the church ever, it's probably one of those... <laughs> Because <laughs> the witnessing you may have seen, our experience may have been, uh, you know. Uh, I was one of those guys who was witnessed to uh, by some very brave souls, but, but absolutely, completely uh, had, well, I say had no effect except that God had a plan, all right, because here I stand now. <laughs> so I don't ever want to say what they're doing is light, but there's, it's always a, it's a bad word, almost, witness. Witnesses, witnesses. Here, I was struck by this. So I'm going to word witness. witness. The word witness is martis. All right? One of the ways you can define this word is spectator. It actually meant someone who was in the stands cheering for the home team. Oh, brothers and sisters, I can get excited about that kind of witnessing. You know what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden, it ain't me going out to trying to convince you that the kingdom of God is real. It's me in the stands of my own life looking down on the field of the play where Jesus has the ball and he can't be stopped. Whew. See, I can preach that. You know what I'm saying? I can stand there and be like, wow, and I mean to say this sincerely. The role of witnessing, first and foremost, is to be in the stands of your life and not think you're out there humping it on the gridiron, you know. But to say, look what God has done. Look what God is doing. Look what God has promised. Wow. And that when people come up and say, what's going on with you? You can say, God is going on with me. What's going on with you? Well, not much. No, brothers and sisters, God's going on with you. Wow. Now, see, that kind of witnessing we can do. We can do that. The word martis, one observing, cheering on, 
the home team. Sometimes as a spectator, we can get so caught up and what's going on? We lose all sense when we start to do something stupid. The other night we're sitting there, and this guy starts to run with the ball. And all of a sudden I look, and everybody stands up. Babies are getting dropped, and blankets are going on the ground, and everybody starts screaming. Wow, that moment. So profound. That's, I think, new Christians are in that right there, man. When you see Jesus do something you could never do for yourself, and brothers and sisters, we're talking about waiting in a minute, but the longer you wait, the more profound that movement is because you just know you were stuck, 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 stuck. You know what I'm saying? You can't move. You can't do it. You can't get there from here. And Jesus comes into your life and does something profound that you just go, wow, and you can't help but stand up and go, woo. And then everybody who's been in church for a while says, now settle down, tiger. You know, I've been around this game for a while. And I'll get up and clap politely about the move. I mean, come on. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. The word martus might sound familiar. The word martus also means, it's where we get our word martyr from. It's, it's this idea of being a legal testifier. One who would stand up in court and proclaim the truth about something. You see, a witness to the cause. Even more, the word martus is something about giving a legal testimony through your example and your suffering. Well, that's what Wesley said. But who wants to hear what Wesley said, <laughs> you know? He said, there's something about our witness in the world that it's not about the words that we say, but it's about the places that our feet go and the things we do. We had those folks up here this morning talking to us about that. There's something about the doing of it, the example that is our greatest witness. It doesn't mean you're going door to door, but you might. It means you're doing something that when people see it, they go, wow, you're a witness. And I got to tell you something. This might sound terrifying, but man, it's also freeing. Because if you're allowing God to work in your life and you're just like got the little paintbrush and he's painting with a roller, you know what I'm saying? And you're just sitting there thinking you're doing something else and the whole wall is done. Wow, good. <laughs> this little stuff, God witnesses to other people through that, through you, through his transforming work there. Martus. And so it's this idea, and you see, here's the problem, because you might go, well, no, that's not good. That's not what I want to hear. But you see, the problem is that the Jesus that we all follow, the Lord of our lives, the one who has dominion over our lives, the, people that we can, the one that we confess to follow, everything ended up on a cross. I'm not looking to get on any crosses. No, about you guys. And we can fall that side, want to get on a cross all the time. All the martyr complex. Oh, poor me. No, Jesus did that work. But yet, we might be called to some kind of suffering. We might be called, we might be treated just like his apostles. Jesus might look at us just like he did and say, Bill, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set beforehand. What? I thought we were friends. No, I'm God. You're not. Remember? Yeah, I remember. And you will then go, he says, when the power of the Spirit comes on you, you will go and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I, I, here's a little synopsis. So we're, this is where we're at. So they're hearing this message from Jesus, and they're like, okay, cool. We're going to be witnesses, right? And you've been follow, we've been following you all this time. We're going to keep following you wherever you go, Lord. We're right behind you and this and that. And he says, after he said this, 
He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him before their sight. Now, I want to tell you something. If you got this speech from Jesus, and you're sitting there, and you're like, yeah, go and be witnesses, because like we have been, because we're friends, and we've been following you, but you're resurrected now. It's a little different, but that's okay. The word taking up, it means like someone who is raising the fishing net. That's what it actually means. It's like a fishing analogy. Just, he just went up like that. And this is what the apostles did. Do you see him anymore? Have you ever tried to watch something in the air like that? That just disappears into a finite point and you just can't, I can't, we were shooting rockets at camp this summer, you know? Oh, I lost it. Do you see it anymore? No, right? And they're standing there looking up in the sky. This is how Jesus, serious Jesus is. He says this stuff about the church and then he just goes away. He says stuff about the Holy Spirit and he just goes away into the clouds. And look at what happens next. It says, they were looking intently up. It actually means they were being strained. They were being stretched upward. They're looking up. They're just looking. The clouds are high. Why is it a cloudy day today? That's probably what I'd be thinking, you know, because I was trying to see where he went there because we're supposed to follow him, right? This is what he's been saying for a while. And it says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going on his way, he's being transferred, it says, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now that word is low, like look. And the word white, it's the same word about the epiphany, folks. The epiphany. This is like a whole full circle thing. Then all of a sudden they're starting looking up and all of a sudden, king there's these two guys and they're like glowing it literally means light more than white it means they're luminescent and they're beside them and this is what they say and i just love this and i hope you hear the word today men of galilee why do you stand here looking into the sky which i think is kind of a funny thing to say because i think i would say well why aren't you looking at the sky man did you see what just happened i mean well, i mean how much time do they get to stand and be in awe of this movement I would think, I was saying to somebody, I would think even after the case, I'd be walking around, you know, Jerusalem, because they're going to go back, and I'd still be going, you know, how long would you have to do that? The rest of your life? Be always, that's what it says, always be ready, be looking all the time, you know, and, uh, but, but they say, why are you standing here staring at the sky? In other words, there's this like that. They're so serious. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. And, and, and these are saying it's going to come back just like that. But what are you staring in the sky for? We got stuff to do, right? Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk in the city. By the way, a Sabbath day walk means not very far. That's what that means. I was all like, what does that mean? Not very far. It means it was a short walk because you can't walk very far on the Sabbath, right? And so they went back to Jerusalem. Why? Well, being obedient to Jesus. Because what did he say back in verse 4? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised. So these guys, even though they're bewildered by this movement, and they're standing there staring, these guys show up, like, where are the, where are the white people? They're, they're showing up, these, these luminescent, these, these, these glowing people. They're showing up at the epiphany. They're showing up at the tomb. And they're showing up at the ascension. Something going on there, right? And, and look what it says. Wait for the gift my Father's promised. And they go and they, they wait. And, they, and the rest of that story, I'll let you read the rest of that story, but they go back. And what I love is, is Peter, if you love anybody in Scripture, Peter's the guy who, who is us, right? Because he's always like a thousand miles an hour. Because he goes back and uh, he tells, I'll let you read it, but he takes it upon himself to start appointing apostles. <laughs> Who's done this so far? Jesus has. 
up to this point, Jesus has been one appointing apostles, saying, you, you, go. You, you, go. You, you, go. Peter goes back and says, wait a minute, guys. We got to do something. They're in the upper room. They're waiting. But in the meantime, let's get busy. And Peter knows it. He senses he's been given some key. He's been given some authority. Now he's not preaching profound messages yet. The Holy Spirit has not come yet. <clears throat> but yet here he stands and he devises this plan to replace Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, because he is no longer fulfilling his role. And Jesus had 12, so we need 12. So let's find a guy. Well, let's find two, let God pick. That's what he decides to do, right? And so, but I love this idea that right here, there's, Jesus is saying to them, go and wait Terry. And you know, I think as a society, we're a microwave society, and the wor one of the worst things that we do, we, we don't tarry well at all. We don't tarry well at all. And we can fall too far on the side of that waiting, you know? Well, I'm just waiting for God to do something. Well, maybe you're supposed to do something, you know? But, but don't ever think you're the only one working here. Don't ever think you're the only one showing up and, and getting it done. Because God, God is doing way more than you are. God is loving way more than you can. And this is our testimony as followers of Jesus. But yet, this is what he says to them. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the gift my father promised. And that's what they do. They wait. So it's this weird thing where they wait, but they do. You know, they get ready. And that's one thing I had, I was, whenever I was, uh, you know, struggling with my call and stuff like that, and what, what God was asking me to do, and there were people who were saying, you know, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. And there's this kind of riding off into the sunset mentality. But the truth is that God wasn't the one saying that, and I had to be hearing that. And so you wait, you wait. And sometimes we're called to wait. I wrote here, wait and go. That's kind of funny, right? And that's what Peter does. He appoints him, but God decides. God decides. And there's so much about what we're going to learn, I think, through the book of Acts, that, that uh, as much as uh, we get excited about what the apostles do, as much as we get excited because it's human, like you and me, they're just brothers and sisters. They're no different. It's us. God is doing something among them. God is doing something among us. And I pray that we are all sensitive to that. One of the things in your connection card today I put in there is be sensitive. We talk about being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. It's more of a prayer idea uh, to, to really be open to that. There's something that for us, the Holy Spirit has come. You see, as much as we might read this book like it's we're going through it with them, we're not. It's, in, it's history. It's in the past. The work of the Holy Spirit doesn't begin, doesn't begin whenever you accept Jesus into your life. This morning, if you hear that beckon, if you hear that call, if you, if you are listening to the truth that God is revealing, brothers and sisters, that's the Holy Spirit right there with you. And you know, in all those places in our lives where we think, oh, I'm so alone, I'm so lost, God's going, I'm right here. Listen, I'm right here. I'm right here. I've heard it said one time that God whispers in good times, speaks, speaks loudly in, in, in struggles and screams in disasters. There's this thing that we hear, maybe for the first time. God's going, I got, I got this. This is me. And our response is, okay, I'm here. I'm with you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit as well. So don't, don't think it's so high-minded. It's, it's just this work of God in our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we uh, thank you for... Uh, your son, Jesus, who came and, and died. And, uh, and, and you know, historically, <laughs> before this, Lord, there was so, so much uh, that we didn't understand. But even now, it might feel so confused to us. We might, we might not understand. What, well, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the son and yet God? And, and all those things that we, we have to question. 
but yet <laughs> we know enough. And, and yet we hang on to our own. We say, no, this is me, God, I, I got this one. Oh, Father God, I pray today that in, in a, a mighty and profound way, in a godly way, in the way that only you can, Lord, you would speak into hearts and minds today. That if, if, if uh, we're in tragedy, you, you'd be uh, screaming in our ear. This is me. I got this. And if times are good, Lord, I pray we would stop long enough to listen and to hear the whisper. I'm right here. Father God, today, today we give you this time. We give you ourselves uh, to do your work among us. We, we pray, we covenant the next 11 weeks together, Lord, will be dedicated unto you that we give you glory for everything that happens, whether it's in the worship service on Sunday morning, whether it's uh, people running sound or the music or whatever, or, or whether it's in the family groups or whether it's just in life and work. We, we've prayed today before you, Lord, uh, we give you the glory and honor. And, and then we pray that your word might be fulfilled, not by our power, but by yours, that we'd be witnesses unto all the world, that, that those who are not yet invited, who don't yet know how loved and how valuable they are, that we might witness that truth. Help us to know that love deeply today and then help us to tell others how loved they are. And uh, we, we do all this, everything, through the power that you give us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus Christ through death and resurrection, and the creator of all things. God, we want you to be glorified today. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.